I'd like to welcome you to the City Temple live stream. This is just one part of our Sunday worship gathering, and if you'd like to join us for our whole service via Zoom, then email us at info at city-temple.com. And we are pleased and honored that Pastor Rod will bring us a message today. Well, if you have your Bible with you, uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to spend a few weeks in the early books of Acts. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach all the way through Acts, because if I did that, uh, we would be doing it until about 2025, I think. Uh, so I won't go that far. But we are going to spend a few weeks in Acts. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 6 to verse 11. Very famous passage uh, we've heard many, many times. And before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you'd speak it into our hearts. And I pray, Lord, as we hear it, you would reunite us with the great story of your word, your holy history unfolding in, 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 in our earthly history. We love you and we praise you and we honor you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people today boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. As you can hear, I'm still dealing with a bit of laryngitis, so please continue to pray for me. I think there's been some improvement, but uh, it's not quite where I'd like it to be yet. Well, we're going to pick up in Acts, verse 6. It's before the ascension of Jesus. So when they had come together, the disciples and Jesus, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come, in, uh, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I just, I always chuckle when I'm reading that passage because you, you kind of get this picture of, you know, the disciples, it's like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Is it, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No. Uh, so uh, I, I, I can't help it. I, I guess I should, but I can't. So the story about coronavirus is changing. Have you been reading this? You know, uh, a year or so ago, anybody who said that coronavirus was, uh, the COVID virus was man-made and escaped from the lab in Wuhan, if you told that story, you would have been banned from YouTube and Facebook. And now, more and more people are saying, well, maybe that's the right story. Maybe this wasn't 
just uh, an accidental uh, thing that happened. Maybe this was an accidental release from the lab. Now, I don't for a minute think that China did this on purpose. I don't think even the Chinese government is that foolish. But, you know, it could be. Uh, we don't know. But it's a very, very important question, and it's a very important story. But that tells us one of the real challenges that we face as human beings. What story do we believe, especially when the story hasn't been written yet? What story do you believe? Because the, the COVID-19 story is not over. And certainly, the way our world has changed is not over. The changes are going to continue. Different strands of that story are going to continue to unfold. Different variants are going to emerge. We still don't know when the whole world will be vaccinated. We don't, still don't know, really, the long-term effect of the vaccinations. I mean, here in the UK, we still don't even know for sure after the 21st of June, will we be hugging and kissing each other in church or will we be standing a little bit further away? Now, I guess, depending on who wants to hug me or kiss me, depends, determines how far I stand most of the time, I guess, but like most of you, right? And so this story continues to unfold. By the way, that's a story that's a, tr that's a challenge that I encounter with most people that I counsel and most people that I meet and most Christians that I talk to. I mean, so often I'll get a Christian that comes and says, oh, I'm so depressed and, and my life is uh, it's just not, it's not worth living. It's kind of meaningless. And, and they'll be struggling uh, and uh, they'll feel discouraged. Maybe it's right after a breakup or something like that. And they go through this and, uh, and they want to give up. They want to quit. And I want to yell at them. I don't yell, but I want to yell at them. Your story's not written yet. It's not written yet. Your story is still unfolding. I've known people who have had a broken dating relationship and they went into the pit of despair only to discover that the person that they were dating really was not the person they should have been married to. And only to discover that something better comes along in the future. I've known some people that, to rush into marriage because they, they were desperate for a husband. They were desperate for a wife. And two, three years later, they confide in me, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gotten married. I'm not going to get a divorce or anything, but I realize now I was pretty happy when I was single, when I was without a, a spouse. This is a challenge that we face. And it's one of the reasons why for much of my life, I don't get discouraged. Well, I get discouraged like anybody. But I don't quit. I don't give up because until the day I die, 
my story is not written yet. Now, there were some people that probably wanted to give up on me in the middle of January when I was on death's doorstep, when I was hanging around the entrance to death, kind of, you know, percolating the idea, do I stay or do I go? But my story wasn't written yet. My story wasn't written yet. And I don't know where it's going to happen. The story of City Temple. Golly, have we not been on a roller coaster with uh, the building development thing. I mean, we've been going at it since the mid-1990s, but we've been with this latest developer for about five years now, and we go up and we go down, and it's like, it's going ahead. Oh, it's not going. It's going. It's not going. It's going. It's not going. It's going. It sounds like most people who are wanting to go on a holiday this summer. I'm going to go. No, I'm not. I'm going to go. No, I'm not. I'm going to go. No, I'm not. By the way, the next couple of weeks are really important because we've kind of drawn a line in the sand with the developer. I won't bore you with those details now, but be praying for the church. So that's a problem. The story of City Temple is not written. The story of your life is not written yet in full. The story of COVID-19 is not written. The story of the United Kingdom is not written. What do we do? And we need to balance this with, with a reality, a lesson that we all need to learn from American Christianity these days. And let me tell you this lesson. Back in the 1980s, a lot of American Christians hitched their wagon together with the Republican Party. Let me tell you, Jesus was not a Republican. He wasn't a Democrat. And now what's happened is that the story of the Republican Party is quite a bit different than the story of the Bible and the story of Jesus. And there are a lot of people in the United States who are walking away from their faith because faith has become too political. And so we not only have the problem of these stories that have not been fully unfolded yet, we also have the challenge of what story we're going to connect ourselves to. And that's a really big issue. That's a really big issue. That's one of the reasons why I encourage Christians not to share YouTube videos of conspiracy theories. It's not because those theories are right or wrong. It's because you don't want to be testifying to the truth of a conspiracy theory that turns out to be wrong. I mean, yes, I've been hearing Bill Gates' voice in my brain ever since I had the vaccination. And I've been, been prone to buy Microsoft products. But, you know, I don't believe... No, that's a lie, by the way. Don't believe that. It's a conspiracy theory. And we have to be careful of the theories we hook ourselves to. And then you have all these influencers, these media influencers, who purport to be telling you the real story of their lives, but we find out more and more 
that their story is not really true. It's been touched up, it's been airbrushed, or they've been secretly uh, promoting certain products because they get paid for it. And it was such a big problem that YouTube had to step in and say, you can't do this anymore because it's a form of lying. So what do we do? As Christians, there is one story that we can bet on for our destiny. There is one story that we are called by God to connect our lives to permanently. There is one story where we know the outcome, we know the ending, because we were told what the ending is going to be. And obviously, that is God's story in Jesus Christ. As Christians, that is our story. And as Christians, we are connected to that story. The fact that Adam and Eve, they were created good, but they chose to sin. But God decided not to abandon humanity to sin. And so he began a process. He began a process in calling Abraham. He began, continued that process in making Abraham into a great nation, Isaac and Jacob, and then taking the, the, the Hebrew people to Israel, and then take, uh, to Egypt, excuse me, and then setting them free from Egypt, and then taking them into a promised land, and then letting them go into exile, because he determined that the one who would save us all from our sin would be born would be born as a Jew. And Jesus came, fully God, fully man, uniting himself with us and our story, our human story, living a sinless life, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, so that we could have forgiveness of sins and freedom from all those things that held us down, so that we could be connected with God, not only in this life, but for all eternity. And Jesus ascended into heaven, telling us that the story wasn't over, that he was going to come back. And we know one day Jesus will return. And there will be a thousand-year reign on this earth. And then God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to be part of that reality for all eternity. This is the story that we're connected to. This is the story that your life is connected to. This is the story that gives meaning to everything we go through. My time with COVID, my time in a coma, my time struggling to overcome all the after effects, that is enlivened because I'm united with Christ. His story is being played out in me. It's kind of like a resurrection. And I can see the connection between his story and my story. And his story gives meaning to my story. And knowing his story and knowing the future promised in his story to me keeps me going. It means I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to give up. One of my favorite songs these days is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I won't back down. 
And when I can sing again, I'll sing it for you. But that's my, that's my theme song. I won't back down. One of my deliriums, by the way, when I was in the hospital, I saw myself giving a, a concert for NHS workers. And that was one of the theme songs that I was singing. And all the NHS workers were joining me in the theme song. We're all singing, I won't back down. And so it was great. Uh, and so anyway, you can listen to it. You don't want to hear me try to sing it now. But that's our story. And not only are we connected to that story, in the words of Jesus, we are called to be witnesses to that story. We are witnesses to that story. And that's why we have to be, be very careful about the other stories of life that we're witnesses to. If I stand up and say, oh, I'm witness to the fact that Boris Johnson is the Messiah, and it turns out he's not, well, there tanks my credibility. And you know, and that's why so many Christians today don't have credibility, because so many Christians have been telling stories that they've been told by the world that have not been true that have not been accurate. We are called to be witnesses to the story of Jesus Christ. We are his witnesses. So how does that happen? We need to hear what Jesus tells us because it's really, really key for us. We have to be authentic witnesses to the story of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean and how do we do it? Well, Jesus says, I want to focus on three things he says here. First of all, he tells his disciples, they come, and they're thinking just in terms of the story of Israel at this point. And so they come, and they say, Jesus, okay, right now, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're still saying, excuse me, Sorry about that. And they're still saying, Jesus, is it time for you to raise an army and for us to kick some Roman backside? Because that's what they wanted. They wanted to kick out the Romans, make Israel into a great nation, and maybe have Israel conquer the world. And Jesus, you could almost hear him say, oh, hey, guys, come on. Listen to what I've been telling you. He spent 40 days talking about the kingdom. So listen to what I've been telling you. And he says this. He says, guys, it is not for you to know. It is not for you to know. Now in this case, it is not for them to know the times and the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, guys, I'm not going to tell you how your life ends. I'm not going to tell you when the second coming is going to be. I'm not going to tell you God's timing in history. You're just not going to know this because it is not for you to know it. It is not for you to know it. And there's so many things it is not for us to know. 
It is not for us to know the answer to every question. You know, if you're a witness to Jesus, a lot of people are going to ask you questions. Oh, one of the favorites when I was young was, is God so great that he can build a rock so big that he himself can't move the rock? Think about that for a while. You know, because if he can build the rock so big that he can't move it, then obviously he's not God, right? Because he can't do everything. But if he can't build a rock so big he can't move it, move it, then doesn't that mean he's not God too? So, you know, ponder that for a while, and maybe God will give you an answer to it. If not, you can ask me, and I'll give you an answer for it. You, it is not for you to know how God is going to use you. You know that? It is not for you to know what's going to be happening in your life 10 years from now. I'm looking back, when I was ordained back in the 1980s, uh, long before many of you were a gleam in your father's eye, as we used to say. Uh, when I was ordained, I had no idea I was going to be standing here today. I didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue. And if I would have tried to figure it out, there's no possible way. And right now, standing here, is there another outcome that I would have preferred for my life? Not really. Not really. That's how much I love you guys. It is not for you to know. It is not for you to know if people are going to get saved. It's not for you to know. God's not going to tell you that. So you'll be sharing with somebody. You don't know if they're going to be saved or not. There are so many things that it is not for us to, that, that are not for us to know. And we need to rest in that reality. We need to take comfort that we are united with God's story and we are part of God's advancing kingdom in this world. Now there's a second thing that we desperately need in order to be effective witnesses to the story of Jesus. Jesus says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, before, come upon you. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So many times, Christians fail to be witnesses because they try to be witnesses in their own strength. They try to figure out, how am I going to be the most effective witness possible? Now, you can ask yourself those questions, but actually, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so much evangelism today is completely devoid of the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand how the Spirit works. The Spirit works both within us and upon us. He works within us to conform us to the character of Jesus. That's the Spirit within. He comes upon us to empower us to do what God wants us to do, in particular, to empower us to be witnesses. So we need the Holy Spirit. We need to remember, Jesus told us that the Spirit would give us the words to say. In Luke chapter 12, 
Jesus says, when they bring you before synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So you don't have to figure out your pitch all the time. You just trust the Holy Spirit to let you know what you need to say. And you need to remember to try to keep it short with most people. They don't need everything. They just need to know the bit of the Holy, the story the Holy Spirit calls you to share. You get power from the Holy Spirit because when you're talking and being a witness, the Holy Spirit will give you spiritual gifts that you can share. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will give us a gift of healing. Sometimes he'll give us a gift of prophecy, something we can speak into the person's life. Sometimes he'll give us a word of knowledge about what the person is going through or a word of wisdom. There are so many gifts of the Holy Spirit and if we will allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us, he will give us power to be witnesses. We must have the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses because if you try to witness in your own power, what will happen is that people will think you're judgmental, you're harsh, or you're unkind. I think most people that are not Christians will not listen to Christians witness because they think they're so judgmental. In fact, we know that from some research that Barna has done in the United States that 60% uh, of people say that they would love to hear about Jesus if only they could find a non-judgmental Christian who would talk to them. Isn't that amazing? That's why we need the Holy Spirit. It's not your job to convince. It's not your job to convert. It's your job just to witness. To witness. If I'm talking with somebody about a film that I saw, and I say, you know, you really need to see this film, that's a form of witnessing. Now, there's a difference in saying, hey, you know, I just saw this, this film. I'm trying to think of a good one I've just seen, but I can't. I've just seen this film. Uh, why don't you watch it? That, now, that's witnessing. Or I could say, hey, you stupid person. Clearly, you have no taste for cinema. You have no idea what's good for you and what's not good for you about what you should be watching. So let me tell you, your small little idiot pea brain, uh, this is a film that you should watch. Now, I don't think that that's going to have much impact except to turn the person away from me, but yet that's often what Christians do. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power, and by the way, it's a promise of Jesus that we will receive power. And then Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, and notice my emphasis on that word. I think it's important. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. First, Jesus is telling us 
that we will be his witnesses. We belong to Jesus Christ as a witness. In a sense, when you become a Christian, it's like you become under contract to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't like to share you with Coca-Cola. You know, so it's not like you go, well, I want to just tell you about Jesus. But before I do that, let me tell you about our sponsor today, Coca-Cola. It's the beverage that all Christians who love Jesus drink. You know, that's not the way Jesus works. And that's not the way he wants us to work because we're under contract to him and it's an exclusive arrangement. We are his witnesses. And to be his witnesses, it means we need to have a genuine experience of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't surrendered your life to him, you can't be his witness. You have to believe in the truth that Jesus Christ has risen bodily from the dead. If you don't believe he died on the cross for our sins and he rose bodily from the grave, then you're a false witness. And we have to be people who are ordering our lives by the truth of the gospel and God's word. Not by what we wish the gospel would be, but the truth of the gospel. And it has to order our lives. Again, going back to that, that soft drink. Oh, let's be Pepsi now, just so you know nobody gets jealous. So, uh, you know, say I'm doing a commercial, an advert for Pepsi, but then after the advert, I say, you know, I don't like Pepsi. I drink Coke. How effective is that going to be? Because I'm not living my life that way. You know, as Christians, if we're going to be witnesses, Jesus has to order our lives, and we have to be able to relate the truth, the story of Jesus, into the lives of real people, into what they're going through. I remember talking with one young nurse in the hospital, and she was saying, oh, I always think of that, the gospel as, as, you know, religion as something for old people. It might be something that I do when I get to be old like you. I don't think she said like you, but she had that look in her eye. You know, when you get to be old like me, you see it in people's eyes. And, uh, and I said, you know, but I've been a believer since I was a teenager, and it was an important part of ordering my life. Being able to focus on Jesus, that gave me vision for my life and actually was the thing that enabled my wife and I to come together and have 35 years, uh, now 36 years, of, of a great marriage. We gotta relate this story to how people are living because we are Jesus's witnesses. We belong to Jesus. And then notice what Jesus says. He says, you'll witness to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now Jerusalem, that's the people like us. Do you know as Christians, we need other Christians to witness to us about Jesus. I need to hear the stories of other Christians. I need to hear what they say about Jesus. Judea is all the religious folk. It's not just folk like us. So, you know, uh, we're, we're Reformed Christians, 
but uh, non-reformed Christians need to hear about Jesus from us. Uh, Catholics, Roman Catholics, need to hear about Jesus. Eastern Orthodox need to hear about Jesus. And we need to hear about Jesus from others. We need that witness. And then we go into Samaria, and that's the people who have a kind of a predisposition toward Christianity, but they're not yet Christians. And then to the ends of the earth, and that's everybody. We begin where we are and allow God just to take us further and further and further. When we are witnesses to the story of Jesus, it enables us to reconnect with reality. We are able to connect, reconnect with what's really real. We don't have to convert people. We don't have to convince people. We must not be judgmental, and we don't need to focus on sin. The Holy Spirit is really good at focusing on sin in people's lives. We need simply to make sure that our story is intertwined with Jesus by grace through faith. We need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon us every day that we might be authentic and faithful witnesses. We need to know what Jesus has done for us, and we need to know what Jesus has done for all. And knowing these things, we can be faithful witnesses to Jesus, because that is our call in this world. The world needs Christians right now who are not compromised by their commitment to other stories, but who are committed to the story of Jesus as the real story for their lives and the real story for the world in which we live. And when we're connected to that story, what happens with COVID-19 is really not all that important. Because one day, COVID-19 will not be around anymore. But Jesus will. Father God, thank you so much for the love that you share with us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon us and that you would enable us all to be faithful witnesses to Jesus. By grace, through faith, in the power of your Spirit, Amen. Amen.